Well, thank you uh, to the worship team and also thank you to our Stephen Ministry uh, for their explanation more about Stephen Ministry. Stephen Ministry is one of the three legs of the stool of care in this fellowship. Remember, we talked about that at one time, that if you need care of some kind, uh, that there is Stephen ministers who are there and willing to listen, and there are also life groups that you can get involved with, as well as the deacon team who meets and helps with some needs within our fellowship. One of the things about God is he is a God of community. When you look at Genesis 1-1, you recognize that in the beginning, God, and of course there the word is in the plural, which is speaking to the trinity or triunity of God, and God is in community in his tri- triunity. And all through the Old Testament, we see the community of Israel. In the New Testament, the community of the church. It's about community. And so uh, beware of isolating yourself. And we are thankful you're here this morning, and we know that there are needs that are represented with every person, every family here. And if you have needs that you need some help with, make, make those known in one of those three areas of service that we have, the Stephen Ministry, Life Groups, or the Deacon Team, uh, or any of the elders, by the way, too. Uh, we are thankful that you're here this morning. You may have heard of the American missionary, uh, Adoram Judson. Uh, he arrived in Burma in 1812. And he served there until 1850 at his death. And Judson, of course, is in the annals of missionary history. Uh, During that time, he suffered much for the cause of the gospel. He buried two wives and six of his children during that time. Uh, He actually was imprisoned and tortured when he arrived in Burma. He was kept in shackles. And after the death of his first wife, whose name was Anne, Uh, For several months, he was so depressed that he daily went to her tomb and sat beside it. And years later, three years later, he wrote these words. God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I cannot find him, unquote. But Judson's faith sustained him, and he poured himself into missionary work there in Burma. We now know it as Myanmar. Uh, He believed God had called him there. And so he stepped out in faith, and he worked fervently on translating the Word of God into the Burmese language, which he completed by 1834. Uh, Statistics are unclear, but at the time of his death, there were probably only 12 to 20 believers in all of Burma. There were no established churches, so by all accounts, if we used our accounting system as uh, North Americans, we would probably say he would not be worth uh, supporting in our missions program. Only 12, it seems like such a waste, and yet he persevered, he endured through so much, and he persevered through those 38 years. At the 150th anniversary, which was in 1984, of the Burmese Bible, Paul Borthwick, who is a professor as well as a missions expert, spoke. He went to Burma, and he spoke, and when he got up to speak, he was looking at the Burmese Bible, the only thing he could read as an American, was the ascription in the front translated by Reverend A. Judson. And so Borthwick uh, reportedly turned to his translator, whose name was Matthew, and asked him, Matthew, what do you know of this man Judson? And Matthew immediately began to weep, and he said, we know him, we know how he loved the Burmese people, how he suffered for the gospel because of us, out of love for us. He died a pauper but left the Bible for us. When he died, there were just a few believers, but today there are over 600,000 of us, and every single one of us traces our spiritual heritage to one man, the Reverend Judson. 
But Judson never saw it, did he? And yet, uh, that may be the case for many of us. We may not see the results of the faithful service that we put in, whatever it may be, whether it's teaching children or caring for people in the nursery, whatever it may be, we may not see that. And yet, we persevere in the midst of difficulty and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not see immediate fruit. We may not see immediate results from the efforts we pour forth as individuals, as families, as a church family, and yet God will use it. And God of all grace, he oversees all this work, and he ensures us that our labor is not in vain. We are in uh, the letter of Second Peter, and we're actually doing a series of word studies out of the virtue list in chapter 1. If you've been with us, you know that we've been focusing on verses 5 through 7, where the Apostle Peter is listing a series of virtues for us. And these virtues are not primarily activities, but they are characteristics or qualities given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. In your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. The command there is an imperative when the word supply or add to the actual idea is, is that we are to cooperate with God. He has given us these things, and we come to this fifth quality today, and that is the quality of perseverance, endurance, perseverance and endurance. The passage that Russ read for us this morning is really a, quite a picture of what it means to endure. Peter just uses the word here without explaining it, and yet the writer of Hebrews is the one who explains it for us, as well as many other places in Scripture. But that Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, tells us to run the race with endurance that is set before us. The focus is on endurance or perseverance or steadfastness or patience. Some of your translations may have patience, although that doesn't capture the quality of this word that is used here. Endurance is critical. You know, in athletics, if you're going to steal second base in baseball, or if you're going to run a 100-yard dash, speed is important. You've got to be fast, don't you? But if you're running an ultra marathon or even a marathon, the long distance race, speed is not critical. Endurance is critical. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is teaching us here in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It's interesting that he chose this metaphor, or God chose it for the writer of, of Hebrews, of a long-distance run to illustrate the Christian life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, we are on an ultra-marathon. We don't know how many days we have, but we are to run with endurance the race that is set before us, whatever that race looks like in your life. The Christian life is a matter of endurance, struggle, and difficulty. There is victory. There is victory now that we see from time to time, and we know there's ultimate victory when we see Jesus Christ face-to-face -face in heaven. And yet there are struggles when, uh, in between now and when we see Christ in heaven. There are struggles, and each one of us would admit to a, a set of adversities, difficulties in our lives, and yet we are to endure it's interesting in that passage in Hebrews, it said, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. The word that's used for race there is the word agona. Let us run with endurance, the agona. Uh, that sounds like an English word, doesn't it? And we do get the word agony from that Greek word. And that is the word agony, run with endurance, the agony that is set out before you. 
Now, that is not a very popular teaching in uh, North America at this time, or any of us. Uh, We don't want an agonizing life, do we? But anyone who has run long distances know that that's an accurate description. Uh, When I used to run, and now I choose not to run, (laughs) uh, you know, when you get out to a certain place, I mean, there's... You, you hit the wall, there's some agony there. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, to your sides, every fiber of your being seems to agonize with the pain. And your heart feels like it's going to burst out of your chest. Your legs are like rubber. It's a struggle. So agona, running this race, is a picture of the Christian life. And we're all spiritual athletes on this track, on this run, this endurance run living for the Lord and running the race that has been set before us by God himself. It is our responsibility to run. If you're a believer in Christ, you have no other choice to run this race. I think unwittingly, sometimes we promise people that the Christian life is going to be nothing but just a series of wonderful, wonderful things. And uh, we're a lot like Pedro Sanchez. Do you remember Pedro Sanchez? If you uh, watch the movie uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, Pedro was running for high school class president. And remember his uh, campaign slogan, if you vote for me, all your wildest dreams will come true. Sounds a lot like what we're going through now, doesn't it? But, but uh, So sometimes we don't want to be like Pedro and tell people who are interested in Christianity that all your wildest dreams will come true. Everything will be a bed of of roses and at ease with that because the word militates against that and our experience tells us it's not always the case. We struggle and we need perseverance. In this race, not only is it characterized by endurance in this passage in Hebrews, but it is characterized by progress, by progress. If you're running, if some of you have run marathons, if you're running, you know and you're very aware of the mile markers. And it tells you how much progress you're making and how far you have to go. There's the starting line, there's the finish line, and all the mile markers in between. And at the start of the race, everybody begins to run to make progress, one foot after another towards a goal. The Christian life is that way. It's one of dynamic movement in the Christian life. In fact, the key word for us as Christians is not the word perfection. If you think that is the key word of the Christian life, you are sadly mistaken, and you will, be, uh, you, you will not have the perseverance. That's not the key word of the Christian life. We will achieve perfection at heaven, in heaven when we are glorified, but that's not the key word in your Christian life right now. The key word is progression, not perfection. The important question to ask each one of us, and that's the challenge as we go to this virtue list in Second Peter, is am I progressing in the Christian life? Am I farther along running the race than I was last year, five years ago, or whatever it is for you to measurement? And these are measurements to look honestly at our own individual lives, not at somebody else's life, but our own, and say, am I exercising these qualities. Are they flowing out of my life? So perseverance. Another part of uh, this race that's that's implied here in Hebrews is it's a race that has direction. We are looking for the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our eyes are fixed upon him. You've got to run in the right direction. You've got to run for the goal. And there should be a goal in each one of our lives. 
We can run in circles and we never win. We can run backwards. We'll never complete the race. If we violate the rules and the boundaries of the track, we could be disqualified. It's important that we run in the right direction. Do you remember a man named Roy Regals? Roy Regals played in the 1928 uh, Rose Bowl uh, when California played Georgia Tech. And in that game, Roy Regals made sports history. There was a fumble on the field, and uh, this man, Roy Regals, picked up the ball and he began to run. Run beautifully. He eluded one tackle after another. He ran the ball over 80 yards. It was the best run of the day. But finally, Roy Regals was tackled by his own teammates just short of the goal line. The conclusion was that in the fumble, Roy Regals had run the wrong way for 80 yards and was about to make a score for the other team. And he earned the nickname that he carried with him the rest of his life, Wrong Way Regals, Wrong Way Regals. And I wonder, as I read that story again, and it's very familiar, I wonder if God ever looks down from heaven and says and looks at his children and shakes his head and says, there goes old Wrong Way Gary again. Or there goes old wrong, wrong way Ethel again, whatever it is. Uh, they're going in the wrong direction in the Christian life. We've got to run in the right direction. And this is the main point, you know, again, is endurance, perseverance, that is the Hebrews uh, passages emphasizing here. So we come to this word, and really we're doing a word study of the word perseverance. And if we were uh, to look in a standard Greek lexicon about this word, it has two parts. There is a prefix, hupo, and the main word or the root word is mone, hupo, mone, and it, hupo means under, and mone means to stay in a lexicon. So it means to remain under, it means to bear up under the pressure. It means independent, unyielding, defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune and thus to a kind of courageousness. In a negative sense, it refers to the enduring of humiliation, which none of us like. Uh, in another Greek lexicon, it means to continue to bear up despite difficulty and suffering, to endure, to demonstrate endurance, to put up with. So in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. Charles Ryrie wrote, Christian perseverance is only a quality in the believer because initially it is a gift of God. It is by his power and those who trust in him are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. When we exhibit and develop these traits in our lives, then we are bearing fruit. Primarily, these are character traits, not activities. And then Ryrie goes on to say, although if the Christ-like characteristics are present, then they will surely affect and transform our actions. It begins with the mind, doesn't it? It's a mental attitude that I am going to endure whatever it is that I am facing and I am dealing with today. We need to understand that Christian perseverance originates with God. As Ryrie said, it is a gift of God in that sense. Romans 15, 5 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. A very clear declaration of where our perseverance and endurance comes from. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just 
pulling ourselves up, gritting our teeth and forging ahead, but recognizing that the God who loves us more than anything in the world and has supplied all things for us has given us the ability to endure, to persevere in whatever it is we're facing. Now, for the readers of Second Peter, remember that Peter's writing to them to warn about false teachers who are coming into the church. When we get to chapter 2, we will see his description of that, but they are going to have to bear up under this hardship that they are facing as false teachers come in and try to take them away from the faith. They're going to have to persevere in what they know is true. And the same goes for us today. There are plenty of false teachers out there. Just turn on your television or get on the internet and you will be preached at, not necessarily out of this book, by false teachers trying to sell you something or do something and you need to persevere. So Christian perseverance originates with God himself. He gives it to us. Secondly, Christian perseverance develops in adversity. Develops in adversity. Uh, I, when I drive down Basin Street here, I go by, there's a couple of gyms, you know, people working out. Some of you may go there. And uh, it's interesting that they are working out so hard that the windows are all steamed up at night because they're working hard. They're in there, whatever they're doing, lifting weights or exercising. Uh, it's, it's, they're working up a sweat. It's adversity. You're straining and stressing your muscles, skeletal muscle system in order to grow. And that's how Christian perseverance develops. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And not only this, Paul writes, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. If you're not experiencing tribulation, you don't need perseverance, Right? But because all of us are in this human frame, we live in this world, we have struggles and difficulties in this life, we will have tribulation, and it brings about perseverance if we appropriate it like Peter is telling us here in Second Peter. You perhaps have heard of Johnny Erickson Tada, a paraplegic. In her book, A Place of Healing, she reflects on how we tend to worry that the cares, troubles, and afflictions of life will wear us down dulling our joy, diluting our hope, and robbing us of the radiance we once experienced as believers. In fact, writes Tata, it may be very the very opposite. It isn't the hurts, blows, bruises that rob us of the freshness of Christ's beauty in our lives. More likely, it's his careless ease, empty pride, earthly preoccupations, and too much prosperity that will put layers of dirty films over our souls. And she illustrates the point this way, and this is from uh, Johnny Tata. Uh, I'll never forget, quoting her, I'll never forget years ago when I had the chance to visit Notre Dame Cathedral while I was in Paris. There it was, almost 1,000 years old, standing there so huge and black. I had never seen such a dirty cathedral. After hundreds of years of soot, soot, dust, and smoke, Notre Dame was covered in layers of black grime. It was even difficult to make out the beautiful carvings and the details of the exterior. But then the old Grand Cathedral went through a year-long restoration. Scaffolding was erected. The entire exterior was sandblasted. I was stunned when I saw a recent photograph of the cathedral. It was beautiful, very different from the way I remembered it. The ancient stones glowed bright and gold, and you could see details on carving that hadn't been visible in decades. It was like a different cathedral. What a wonder a bit of sandblasting can accomplish. She goes on to write, When I use the word sandblasting, and when I think of how that process changed that cathedral in Paris, I can't help but consider that way 
that God uses suffering to sandblast you and me in our lives. There's nothing like real hardships to strip off the veneer in which you and I so carefully cloak ourselves. Heartache and physical pain reach below the superficial surface places of our lives, stripping away years of accumulated indifference and neglect. When pain and problems press up against the holy God, suffering can't help but strip away the years of dirt and soot. Uh, Affliction has a way of jackhammering our character, shaking us up and loosening our grip on everything we hold tightly. But the beauty of being stripped down to the basics, sandblasted until we reach a place where we fell empty and helpless, is that God can fill him up with himself. When pride and pettiness have been removed, God can fill us with Christ in you, the hope of glory, unquote. Christian perseverance is shaped in our adversity. Remember that next time, or perhaps right now, you're in the midst of a difficult problem in suffering, whatever it may be, that as you persevere, it is shaping you into Christ-likeness. Christian perseverance shapes our character. This perseverance shapes who we are. You've probably all known people who've been through difficult, difficult circumstances in their lives, and they are strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have not been derailed by any of those things. They keep pressing on, like a Judson over in Burma. In Romans, remember Romans 5, 3 through 5, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Now listen to this progression. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Uh, I'm kind of a student of the polar expeditions of the early last century. And, of course, Amundsen in 1911 became the first person to lead a successful expedition to the South Pole. Amundsen was also famous at that time for his incredible preparation to prepare, his commitment to prepare for this expedition. When in his late 20s, Amundsen traveled from Norway to Spain to take a sailing course so he would earn his master's certificate. It was 1899, and it was a 2,000-mile journey from Norway down to Spain. And how did he make the journey? By ship, by carriage, by horse? No, he bicycled the whole way uh, to get there. He experimented with eating raw dolphin and to determine its usefulness and an energy supply. After all, he reasoned someday he might be shipwrecked and find himself surrounded by dolphins, so he better make sure he knows how to eat one. It was all part of his years of building a foundation for his quest, training his body and learning as much as possible from practical experience about what actually worked. He even made a pilgrimage to apprentice with the Eskimos. What better way to learn what better uh, learn what worked in polar conditions than to spend time with people who have hundreds of years of experience of living in polar conditions in the ice, the cold, the snow, and the wind. He learned how Eskimos use dogs to pull sleds. He observed how they move slowly, uh, steadily, avoiding excessive perspiration that could turn into ice at sub-zero temperatures. He adopted their clothing, which was loose-fitting to help the perspiration evaporate and be protected. He systematically practiced their methods and trained himself for every conceivable situation he might encounter en route to the pole. 
Amundsen wrote later that you don't wait until you're in an unexpected storm to discover that you need more strength and endurance. You don't wait until you're shipwrecked to determine if you can eat raw dolphin. You don't wait until you're on an Antarctic journey to become a superb skier and dog handler. You prepare with intensity all the time so that when conditions turn against you, you can draw from a deep reservoir of strength. And equally, you prepare so that when conditions turn in your favor, you can strike hard. Do you have that reservoir of strength, of perseverance in the midst of difficulties in this life? Are you preparing as Amundsen prepared? No, I'm not going to eat raw dolphin either, but uh, are you preparing mentally? Have you prepared mentally? So Christian perseverance shapes our character. So what are the results of perseverance? As you endure, as you uh, remain where you are, but yet you're enduring, you're persevering, what are the results? First of all, there's spiritual growth. There is spiritual growth. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The first result is spiritual growth. You want to know how to grow spiritually? Exercise this gift of perseverance in all of the issues and details of your life. Secondly, spiritual fruit will be produced. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart at doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Spiritual fruit will be produced. We will be protected, Revelation 3.10, because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. Notice that uh, God here, speaking through the Apostle John in Revelation 3.10, you have kept the word of my perseverance. Perseverance begins with God, another uh, standard declaration that these qualities are gifts from God. And then fourth and finally, uh, we encourage others. When we see someone persevering under struggles, suffering, and difficulties, we should be encouraged. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 7, where the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our sufferings, that you may be sharers of our comfort. That's the whole idea behind a church caring for one another. The Stephen ministry, they can provide comfort that they themselves have experienced in, uh, when someone's experiencing adversity and difficulty. So back at Hebrews 12, uh, echoing this one word that Peter uses in chapter 1 of Second Peter, let us run with endurance. You may have heard of Cliff Young. Cliff Young, in 1983, uh, entered 
Australia's ultramarathon race. An ultramarathon in Australia at that time was 573.7 miles. It was a foot race from Sydney to Melbourne. That's the race that takes days to run, and professionals from all over the world came to participate. Shortly before the race began, 61-year-old farmer named Cliff Young, wearing overalls and uh, rubber boots over his work boots, walked up to the registration table and requested a number to enter the race. The people at the registration table thought it was a joke. Somebody was setting him up, so they laughed. But Cliff Young said, no, I'd really like to run. So they gave him a number and pinned it on his old bib overalls. Cliff Young walked over to the start of the race. All the other professional runners were there. They were decked out in all their running gear, and they looked at him and like he was just crazy. The crowd snickered. They laughed even more when the gun went off and the race began because all those professional runners with their sculpted bodies and their training and their beautiful strides took off, but not uh, Cliff Young. He didn't even look like a runner. He uh, ran with an awkward, goof, goofy-looking shuffle, and all through the crowd, people were laughing, and finally someone called out, get that old fool off the, off the course. But five days, 14 hours, and four minutes later, at 1.25 in the morning, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line of the 573.7-mile ultramarathon. He had won the race uh, that night, and he didn't win it by a matter of minutes or even an hour or two. The second-place runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him. Cliff Young had set a new world record for the ultramarathon. The press mobbed him, wondering what kind of special running shoes he must have had, and they rummaged through his backpack, wondering what he had survived on. He lived primarily on pumpkin seeds and water. And then they discovered the secret to his success. Cliff Young had shuffled his way to victory without even sleeping. The other runners would run for 18 hours straight and then stop and sleep for three or four hours. He endured running five days, 14 hours, four minutes at the age of 61. In fact, now uh, ultramarathon runners have adopted his shuffle. It's called the, the Cliff Young Shuffle. It is shown to uh, give you more energy and more endurance. You know, today, each one of us faces difficult problems. Uh, You may be here this morning, you're facing unbelievable problems. And some of you today are hurting very deeply, or we know of people who are. Some are struggling financially. Some are uh, in leadership of some position, and uh, everything is falling apart around them. All of us feel like the strength is uh, flagging and we feel a little bit discouraged in this Christian ultra marathon. And yet the writer of Hebrews tells us to run the race with endurance that is set before us. And Peter says to appropriate this issue of perseverance. And of course, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have that Christian perseverance. It may not feel like it, but are you persevering under great pressure? And if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you may be able to persevere to a point, but until you know Christ as your Savior and you receive him as the everlasting hope that he is, uh, then you will not have this type of perseverance. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Heavenly Father, thank you for today.